Everybody out there in podcast land, it's me, Luce Willis of the Drag King cast. And it's me, John Travolva. So, what do you feel like talking about this week, John? I've got a lot of things that I want to say that I've been waiting all week to tell you. So, what, what do you think we should talk about first? Well, you know what? I've actually, as the person in charge of editing this week's episode, I've noticed that Katie and Jody in the next section, they have, well, I wouldn't call it a rant. Ooh. I'd call it a really interesting sort of discussion of aesthetics and the way we legitimise drag kings or choose to not legitimise them based on our basic assumptions about appearance. So what I was thinking was maybe we shouldn't talk for that long. Well, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons uh, this year about uh, taking up space and uh, mansplaining, I believe it's called sometimes. Um so I'm thinking maybe I could sit back and listen to my, and be a good ally to my a non-binary pal, Jody Mitchell, and my uh, whatever the hell Katie pal is. Yeah. You're such a good feminist right now. You're like the king of the feminists. I'm the most, most best feminist. Number one, cute, soft boy, good listener, tight ass. My name is Katie. I am a drag king called Luce Willis. Why oh, I'm saying that really weird both times I'm sending it back. Do you think it's uh, because do you think it's because we're just shut inside so we've lost the ability to like communicate normally? Because like, I found myself being really robotic recently. Hello, I like human contact. Please insert love and affection. Yeah, I think just little <laughs> little cyborgs switching off inside my house. I definitely feel that. What is this thing called? Human contact. Yeah. That's me, little 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 COVID safe robot, I Katie. <laughs> My name Katie. I very COVID safe. Me <laughs> I not talk to other people anymore. <laughs> oh, bringing such intense energy today. I love it. Oh, dude. I'm. I mean, hello. How's I'm Jody. <laughs> hello. I'm a drag king called John Travolver. Yes. How's my day been? It's it's good. I mean, I'm as you know, I'm moving house soon, which is my my favorite thing to do during a pandemic. Yeah, of course. Um, so I've been clearing out my drag costumes. Actually, did you find anything good? I found some really fucking good stuff in there. I mean, I I found my coming out costume. Oh, can we talk about? Can you just tell me about that memory again? Because that was at the beginning of this year, and that was probably one of the nicest points this year. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you you know what you're right. I think it's one of my my higher points of this year as well because it was mm. what early Feb. Early Feb, yeah, at the pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, massive sexy sweaty party with about five hundred people all in drag, all wearing glitter and dancing and being in love and great vibes only. You know, <laughs> yeah, such good vibes. We were doing our. It was camp that we were doing. Camp no. themed. That's right. Yeah, the, pe- I, the pet yeah, gala camp. Pe- camp gala because the Met Gala was the camp gala, and obviously we had to show everybody how camp was really done. Yeah, as to queers, we love to queer camp. <laughs> it was gorgeous. It's ours to begin with. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your looks are really um, evolved now. Like you, mm. you've been doing the evolved look and the sort of high fashion look for a while and I I haven't been in that place John Travolver is very you know he's very I wouldn't say demure he's not a demure (laughs) guy but he's very basic in his dress you know he just wants to wear like docks and Hmm. braces and a t-shirt and jeans and I'd never done a high fashion look before but I felt for the camp gala that I really should so I had my I had my diamante encrusted high heels yes you did I had my black kilt and bedazzled sporran i had my side cape also yeah, lovingly the bedazzled. shoulder cape yeah i did and an epaulette on the other side and <sighs> a big sort of like again bejeweled silk shirt i mean oh my god I think very one of my like, favorite looks ever it was kind of like gay highlander or like highlander drag king you know it was beautiful and i remember being 
backstage at the thing and just being like this is the best you've ever looked in drag not in a shady way just in a way that I was like in awe of how majestic you looked like you should be on the bottle of an expensive drink or something like I don't know no but I felt so happy as well I'd, n- I'd never felt comfortable um wearing clothes like that ever because you're life. literally in a skirt and high heels yeah and actually I, I think it's really interesting that I felt so comfortable because I was in drag as a guy and so it was on my terms mm. because I was in charge of the narrative of how people saw me and I think yeah. as someone who's assigned female at birth if I wear femme clothes in public I don't have any control over the way people read me they're guaranteed to read me as a woman yeah Whereas because I was in drag and I was in a queer space, I was being read as as queer, as a drag thing, as someone who was performing masculinity and femininity and campness. And I was choosing to do that. And it felt amazing to feel so comfortable. And it also felt amazing to be seen in the way that I wanted to be seen Yeah. in that space. And actually, when I came out as non-binary to my family, I referenced that because they were confused as to why clothes would make someone feel uncomfortable which is a much larger conversation yes yeah (laughs) much larger and one I do not have the spoons for today (laughs) but um I was like well it's not it's not that I feel uncomfortable with the concept of a skirt it's that I feel uncomfortable with knowing the way that people are seeing me in a way that I don't want to be seen I don't want to be seen as a woman if I'm just wearing a skirt in public yeah but I have no problem with the concept of the skirt in fact here is one of my favorite times that I have essentially worn a skirt here's a picture of me in the skirt yeah also it's bedazzled there's my beard (laughs) (laughs) the skirt really balanced the whole look was in the perfect jet black to max match your beard that was yeah. a really magical moment. That was just, yeah, seeing getting getting to see you do that in that space and just have that whole room of people be so happy for you. I feel quite emotional, like you thinking about it. Yeah, Bob, but it wasn't planned, and like, I know, no, no. That's, that's why it's because I'd been out to um, close friends and I'd kind of crept out professionally in some circumstances but like it was really spontaneous because every I think everyone was feeling a bit crap then about all of the Brexit stuff that was happening yeah god that was we always have a gig in the middle of something I mean there's never a good time to perform at the moment is there as like a young person because there'll always be something hugely traumatic political happening anytime like Pexmas last year was in the middle when the Tories got re-elected we've done gigs on the night of the Brexit vote we've done gigs and that was the day we left the European Union <laughs> there's always something this year, I mean, obviously, Pex, Pex Christmas thing this year is in the middle of a pandemic. You can't not make art because something bad is happening on the same day because <laughs> we would never do anything. But yeah, that was yeah. really, that was a high point. I think that's probably one of the best points of the year. Well, because I kind of referenced it the previous day at another, at another gig for a different reason. Mm. Um, because I, I felt like there were some other trans people in the room that could have done with there being some trans solidarity and so um when I came out at camp it was just such a it was a moment where I already felt very empowered yeah and I had my queer family with me I had you with me I've like Pex have Pex has been such a huge part of my like journey to being comfortable with my trans identity like huge but I mean it kind of Mm. before Pex I was just sort of milling along with it and then yeah. it pegs really amped it up. I mean, it's quite difficult to not amp the processing process up when someone's like, here's a dick, put it in your trousers. <laughs> okay, go on stage now. You need to write something really thoughtful, but also sensitive about gender that's also funny, but also kind to everyone. So you think about how you feel about gender for maybe like two hours and then come back and present that to a group of thoughtful people who will discuss it with you. remember to hold space (laughs) (laughs) imagine you if you did that and you were just like no i'm cisco (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's very nice that 
that outfit that's kind of queering of this Scottish heritage that you have as well, the tradition, mm. and also the whole thing of kilts and men in skirts to start with is really interesting and shows how arbitrary the kind of genders that we assign to items of clothing is to begin with, isn't it, of just the most kind of, it's the pinnacle of masculinity in mm. Scotland and warriors would wear them to kind of show all the, and the family history with all the different tartans and everything. But then also if a man just wanted to wear a skirt in the street, um, unfortunately it is not always the case that they are given respect or not yeah. an eyelid battered towards that. Um, in order to be masculine, I think you'll find it actually has to have the tiny purse that dangles in front of the door. <laughs> Actually, that's the rule. Put your lip balm in it, yeah. <laughs> and it's got to have a furry covering on it. It has to be soft. Also, you can't wear pants. Yeah, you no, don't wear pants with the kilt. Sexy little Scotsman listing to this. Love I love it. it. How do, I want to ask you about your um, policeman daddy is my favourite outfit of yours, but what's your favourite? Yeah, I mean, I think it all changed for me when I put the full leather kind of biker cop thing on I think mm. for years the the loose thing was this suit that I had that this great you might have seen my kind of gray um two-piece with the tails that's very um cheesy and fun which is also the same suit I wore to my prom when I was 16 years old I didn't know that I love that so much I, know. I was great. um but it's fun thinking of stuff like that now of like how the meaning changes and everything if you know I was not a popular um, person at school massively and I didn't really you know want to go to prom or anything but I knew that I, I wanted to be Diane Keaton <laughs> really I think and that's who I wanted to be but then you just see these kind of pictures of yourself in tails and a top hat from when you were 16 in this room of people who were just like what the fuck are you doing and you're like that kid that kid knew what they were doing they maybe didn't know why they were doing what they were doing but that kid is the same yeah and kind of getting to wear that as an adult while I'm doing my full kind of gender nonconformity thing. It's just been really, really fun. But that was kind of what I always wore because I always did stand up and it was the kind of cheesy mm. character, kind of sleazy, tacky suit kind of thing. And then, yeah, it was the first time that I had ever done, like for probably like six years or maybe, no, not six, I like probably five, four years in PEX, all I did was stand up and that's, fine that's all I never wanted to do but then one day it was like maybe I could try doing something else maybe I could lip sync or dance or I could do something that's not normally what I would do like what would I do if I could do anything and I was like I really want to um wear leather and lip sync to heavy metal songs <laughs> that's what <laughs> I want to do that's what my heart as a 30 year old is telling me that I need to do um, so all oh, big, big fan of heavy metal, um, particular the kind of 1980s, and also Rob Halford, who's the lead singer of Judas Priest, mm. who kind of started that whole studs and leather jacket and sexy cop thing. And who's yeah. also one of the only kind of out gay men in metal. And he was kind of wearing all the outfits to his like leather daddy gay bars. And obviously straight culture at the time was like, oh, who is this um, masculine man picking up all the babes? This is what metal people wear now, whereas that was just what they would wear on the kind of queer scene, which I just love. So, yeah, yeah. the minute that kind of started, that's where all the kind of... Once the dam had broken on, like, I have this new outfit that I wear and I love now, everything starts being, oh, well, maybe I could wear this and maybe I can make a whole outfit based around this look. And that just the minute you stop restricting yourself, if I have one thing that I can do, you start to find so many little gems everywhere. So yeah, I, I, I do like, I, that outfit's very special to me. Just, yeah, because that we had done that show that unfortunately I couldn't be in, but I could mm. come and perform at the after party. So just to kind of show up and see you all, and I hadn't seen you all in ages, just in a full leather cop outfit. Just, there's a reaction video from Daisy, I think on Daisy, our lovely producer somewhere yeah. on the internet that's just pure joy <laughs> daisy was a proud dad that day dad, yes <laughs> proud dad of the daddy <laughs> very supportive dad um for my yeah skin tight leather pants i mean my real dad is supportive as well but daddy daddy daisy definitely is very smart <laughs> <laughs> i think it's also like obviously fuck the police yeah absolutely yes was, but that absolutely. was incredible to have you 
rock up in that leather outfit and do breaking the law yes. and have the entire room be like this is such a beautiful subversion and we can all fucking hate the police in this moment oh it was so good officer loose willis is mm. like the cop maybe we wish we could all have in queer spaces of someone who comes to just he's looking out for people and he wants to make sure everyone's having a nice time and he's yeah. protecting the queers and um, he looks incredible in his outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting isn't it because like I, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before but as a drag king you do get asked all the time like what is that what do you do mm. do you just wear trousers and it's it's hard talking about um like elevated costume around drag because both every way of performing drag is valid and beautiful and hot and important and fascinating um and it's just about like doing whatever you want to do so if you get to a point in drag like I think we have where we've gone oh I've realized that dressing like this is something that I want to do yeah which is hard for drag kings because so much so much of our socialization <sighs> is like don't take up space yeah so it takes I think takes longer for us to be like oh this is something that I want to do yeah but there are plenty of kings that don't do that and like I definitely still enjoy performing stand-up in my base level John outfit as well like both of Absolutely. our both of our looks are very minimal like when we do our makeup looks most of your <laughs> facial sculpting is your gorgeous repurposed Elvis wig like this is, um, you will, this is my fun thing if you will watch me like really slowly beat beat my face and kind of try and contour it and try and draw like more of a masculine like cheekbone on and then immediately put on a wig with like two giant sideburns that cover the entirety of my face and be like great I'm done ready to go on stage now but I know what's underneath and that's the most important thing but yeah neither of us are like the wig does a lot of work for me because it's like a cartoon character and that's what I want to look like but yeah and same with you I think it's much more for kind of quick abstract abstract makeup look rather than any of these kings who are incredible makeup artists and there are so many on the scene yeah people really really do like the um mask face makeup so well but for me I, I kind of love the fact that it's clearly a fake beard and actually the you few look like times a Lego that, man. yeah I look like a Lego man it's literally just um <laughs> it's 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 eye palette that yeah. I've used it's just eye palette and it's it's not blended into my face it's very clearly <laughs> like I've drawn a beard shape onto my face and it's so fun traveling in it because it yeah. disturbs people much more because it's so <laughs> fake. And I'm just, if you sit there nonchalantly with the massive eyebrows and the fake Lego beard, men takes, don't like that. It upsets them. And it takes all the expression out of your face as well because your eyebrows are just completely flat and straight as well. So you're just kind of always staring someone down. I think it's quite a confrontational look. Excellent. I think people are a lot harder on drag kings as well. I mean, just in general. And that's. Mm sexism but I think there is a lot of thing of I've heard people say well the reason drag kings aren't as big a deal as drag queens is because it's less of an event like there's something drag kings as you say are kind of more minimal in their look and um if you're just wearing a suit and a little mustache it's not the same as having like lashes for days and a beehive and nails and everything which I just I find it so bullshit because it's like it's such there are so many drag kings that do such a strong just because we, me and Jody are like lazy drag kings there are, like, <laughs> there are so many drag kings that do such elevated looks and it's a really this whole spectrum of absolutely there are some incredible performers that just need like a little dash of eyeliner from mustache and that's their whole character and that's mm. incredible like that doesn't take away from how talented they are and there are look kings there are kings who ha their whole thing is high concept aesthetic they put all their kind of money and time into doing that. And that's wonderful as well. Like just to kind of write drag kings off of like, oh, it's just, um, it's just a girl in a suit or whatever. It's, it's really reductive and it's really um, annoying to me. Yeah, especially when, um, because people don't trust us when we walk on stage, because any performer that isn't a cis man is not trusted and you have mm. to work so much harder to get the audience to relax and you know enjoy and give you validation and give you any form of legitimacy yeah people I think Tom Glitter wrote a really good um mm. piece about this for I'm going to assume the Guardian um, 
and yes, they were I... they were talking as they about... should be yeah Every yeah page they... in the guardian should be by people like tom glitter rather oh, than absolutely yeah. or the bloody terms they have writing <laughs> use their drag their drag name crystal rasmussen and you yeah should, you should read her book um, yes. diary of a drag queen because it's incredible yes um yeah i mean they were talking about how uh we have to do everything we have to sing we have to dance mm. we have to be incredible comedians um we have to have an incredibly nuanced piece that can be unpicked and reviewed well but also it has to be accessible for everyone it has to be accessible for straight cis people as well um has to be relevant to the current culture zeitgeist of what happened like two days ago yeah and we have to look incredible yeah and, <laughs> um the interesting thing is that there's so much focus whenever you talk about drag kings about are they legitimate like mm. we often get reviews as pecs but it's always like are drag kings legitimate that's always the way it starts there, off. there always has to be an opening paragraph being like oh well drag queens are very popular rupaul's drag race is very popular but drag kings exist as well are drag kings any good? Well, I guess I'll find out in the next two paragraphs of this three paragraph review. I've wasted one of them already. <laughs> <laughs> it's so frustrating that we have all of that. Uh, whenever people are talking about drag kings, there is always the onus on, are they legitimate? What are they wearing? Is it legitimate to um, perform masculinity when it's a neutral? Should we unpick masculinity? And it's like, I don't have the capacity to look within myself and see that I'm only wondering if it's legitimate because I'm secretly subscon subconsciously scared that we shouldn't unpick it. I'm so scared of unpicking it. I'm not. Don't unravel warning. the thread. Don't look beyond. The worms um, are everywhere. I'm full of worms. <laughs> I'm just worms. There is no masculinity, only worms. Imagining like Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas, the sack, and it comes across <laughs> and masculinity says all the worms that come pouring out underneath we're all wiggling away MVP. but and yet the same torch is never held to drag queens and i'm not yeah. saying this as someone that wants to rag on drag queens no, drag queens are so this, important all of this comes are, to a place of loving drag queens as well like yeah but there are so many drag queens who would never be questioned on their look mm -hmm. other than when they go on rupaul's drag race mm -hmm. there are so many drag queens that perform in a very basic look yeah like leotard just come or... out and do a lip sync yeah and, and that's great not, and that's great but it's also like if you apply the same um rules of judgment to those performers as you do to drag kings where we're being told constantly we're not legitimate enough it's not nuanced mm -hmm. enough what are you actually doing are you just wearing trousers oh you have to have an elevated look your act needs to be so nuanced it has to have everything singing dancing um also do some comedy also do some spoken word also what you haven't done this other thing there was a button on the floor that you didn't pick up i hate <laughs> you now um there are plenty of queens that don't meet those yeah. criteria either no, nor should they no but you can see where all of that like angry dislike of drag kings is coming from in the discrepancy between the way that we analyze drag queens and drag kings and where we distribute the legitimacy between them. And yeah. it's really frustrating. It frustrates me. The drag revolution is coming and it's yeah. inclusive of all drag performers. The person we talked to this week, I think is just another level of, the, when, when we were saying earlier about drag kings not being an event, Oedipusy Rex is a fucking event. Like, Oh my God, I'm <laughs> obsessed with them we should we should explain we should explain they are a drag barbarian yeah drag thing um and they're so high concept with their looks and they create incredibly complicated huge barbarian beards that are themed for the act that they are doing i think the first time i ever saw them was when they were lip syncing to the Evanescence song Wake Me Up and they had yeah, a beard that one. had a cuckoo clock in it that yeah. went out at the audience yeah. as they performed. They're just what more could you want? They when I saw them for the first time, I think it was a real light bulb moment for me of like, this is fucking drag and this is I have never seen anyone that looks like this before doing drag, but they're still masculine, but they're, they're super funny, but they look amazing. I was like, oh my God, I didn't, my minimal kind of 
brain didn't realize that people who could do, I mean, how can you predict, you can't predict what Oedipus Rex is gonna do because I couldn't ever think of anything as funny or creative as that because they are absolutely bonkers and hilarious of all these acts that they do and every act has as you say a really ornate look that goes with it so yeah enjoy this interview with them you're fortunate to get to listen to anything that they feature in so go yes. ahead and enjoy Oedipus Rex Hello. Hi. Oh, sorry. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to keep that up for, like the whole thing? I'll, I'll probably switch between the two as no. it uh, fits best. Oh, <laughs> I love. Yeah, please do. Feel free to. And it's what I do when I perform live because I am wildly inconsistent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I find that thing of like, do you find it, especially when the gig is finished as well? Do you feel like you need to talk to that to people once the gig is done, or do you kind of like relax back into your kind of self? I think it depends on how much wine I've had. <laughs> I mean, again, if I'm on stage, it will kind of be like, oh, I'm hosting and then I'll forget something and then flip back to my normal voice. And it's just a bit, though there's been times when I've, I've managed to be consistent throughout the entire show. And then I've spoken to somebody after the gig in my normal voice and they're like, uh, uh, <laughs> what is that? And so it's, uh, it's, uh, it depends on how professional I'm feeling. That actually makes me feel a little bit better because when I switch to my normal voice after a show, people are really hurt by it. They get really hurt that I'm not Scottish. I am Scottish, but they're hurt that I don't sound Scottish. But I never thought they would apply that to your, like, barbarian voice. <laughs> a comedy, like, pirate, like, growling voice. Like, yeah, I'm not in... I'm not in Tesco. It's like, you know, some bananas, please. And like, no, it doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> just be a bit weird <laughs> oh, oh my yeah, god just how like I, I felt i had that once as well with like um we have like an emo act and i had like these fake like clippy and snake bite um like lip rings and then i came up out after the show and i wasn't wearing them and someone was like wait a minute you don't actually have a snake bite and i was like no it's just a thing and they were like they were genuinely like really upset and felt like i had like betrayed them by my oh i, don't know. I get i get people more just surprised that i have a face yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll see people afterwards, and I'm like, "Hi, we've done loads of shows together," and they're like, "Don't know who you okay, are." And yeah. I'm like, "If I do this, does that help?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah." I think I think it's a big thing to, I mean, talk about if you haven't seen Oedipusy Rex perform before, you are kind of known for your incredible, um, just absolutely everything aesthetic. So I guess what would you, how would Edie describe himself um, if people had never met Edie? How would he kind of? I think uh, the best description is imagine the sordid love child of Brian Blessed and Animal from the Muppets <laughs> with probably a mop thrown in and that's kind of how I look. I look like sort of a B-movie from the 80s where the budget ran out. It's like F Flash Gordon on acid kind of. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> I still want to do a Flash Gordon act. I haven't oh, managed to. I would die if you did a Flash Gordon act. Please do it. Well, do you want to know what the plan is? Yes. Yeah. I like doing mashups that no one wants so the plan was to do... Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, what's it called? Handmaid's Tale. Oh and then come God. out and be like, blessed be the fruit. <laughs> blessed be the fruit. Blessed, blessed. No, I'm fine, blessed. And then just rip it off and be Prince Voltan. And then do, I don't know, dubstep. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm... I'm, I think my tears just came to my eyes of like how much I didn't know that that was missing from my life. And yeah. <laughs> please, please. This is why I was so go. excited to interview you because genuinely I think your acts are like the most fun drag that I've ever seen like the beards the execution the randomness they're fantastic <laughs> thank you I'm glad that randomness has been like that's an appeal and not just you've no it's like you know when you see Christian Adore it's like oh every act's different because they do improv Mine, mine's like every act's different because I don't know what the hell I'm doing <laughs> depends on what kind of prop I have found and been inspired by that yeah. day or, yeah stuck it on my face and just kind of distracted by the pretty lights in the corner and no I, I, <laughs> but it feels like a kind of controlled K. I, I suppose that yeah going back to that it's like is it do you go with the look first? Is it like I've seen something and I'm inspired by like this cuckoo clock or something I've seen you do with before? Or is it like, like you said, like you find the pop culture reference first, you find the kind of movement first and then the look builds around it? It sort of move. it, it flits really. So uh, at the moment, I when I'm creating new acts, I'm kind of trying to alternate. So I'll do a look act and then I'll do a song act and then mm. kind of 
flip between the two so it'll be for when I first started I think the um it was more what effect do I want to do on stage so can I do fire breathing without fire that's going to be my challenge so I'll make that into an act um which is one of my favorite ones to do but I'm not gonna be able to do that for quite a long time because it's uh I've discovered I do have a two meter spit range so oh my god congratulations <laughs> it's the worst thing it's the worst thing for right now so sorry but I think you are you are constantly making material as a performer as well I don't really think I've ever seen you do the same act twice like is that do you have this like bank of hundreds and hundreds of things you can do <laughs> i've got like a whole list of just stupid things and it's part of it's because from crippling insecurity that no one wants to see the act more than once <laughs> so i'm like well i've done that no one's gonna enjoy it anymore gotta do a new one so uh i'm getting better at redoing things uh certainly when i started it was like i never want to do the same I, I kind of have a rule of i try and not do the same act twice in the same venue mm, i think that's such a good rule it's but it's like mm. such an admirable rule because it's like the cabaret scene feels once you kind of know the people and you've performed at certain venues you feel like you know everyone there you've seen like familiar faces so you feel this kind of level of guilt of like oh they've seen me do this so I shouldn't do this again mm. like but the idea is like why would you not want to see like you pull hundreds of ten tendrils of rainbow ribbon out of your beard like 100 times like it's not a one trick pony if the pony's trick is like that like it's well, the reason I don't do that one very often is just because have you tried wrapping up a hundred? Oh <laughs> I think it's like twenty meters of ribbon. It's all in individual bits, so it just becomes a tangled mess. You'll find me backstage before the show, just sort of winding, just like, oh, this is this is this is the life. This is art. <laughs> you you did it at the, um, the camp. The camp. One of the things we did at the vault show, I can remember. And it, so the act essentially is like you're singing "Let It Go," but the lyrics are "Let It Grow." and pulling all these let the audience kind of pull all these incredible ribbons out of your beard and I remember like before you went on you were like it's gonna finish and then it's gonna be a while before I can leave the stage <laughs> <laughs> so you need to come on and start talking and then I was like being like oh well then everybody and then you're just there it's like yeah hands up high hi everyone just trying to get this back <laughs> so that was the show that I got tangled in the balloons before getting on stage as well I wanted to do a big grand entrance and then got stuck in the bloody balloons because my head was too big you know I think we've done that show like two years in a row and I did that I think I've also done that both times I think we had balloons that said king the first time and I came out and immediately like wrapped myself in them and yeah. then the camp I brought the pee with me I think when I when I went went this time as well. I think I almost popped that pee with like some of the diamante encrusting on my cape so I almost left as, as x I think it adds to the chaos. I think that's what you want. Um, yeah, a good drag show. Mm. I feel like for the kids at home, as this is an audio format, we don't have the beautiful visual of your barbarian drag. I'm definitely dressed in right now. That you're definitely dressed. I mean, oh, we're all dressed. We can up. see I, it. Yeah. I didn't just have a shower. It's fine. I've never looked this good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you look gorgeous. I can barely see the camera with all the sparkles. I know we've done so well, haven't we? I want to like make you talk about your beards well not make you you can do it you to. but I just I'm obsessed with them like every time that you unveil a new beard it's dazzling how many do you think you've made like well uh, so I've done November what yeah three years so that's at yeah. least 90 yeah you do a different wow. one every day for November November which well yeah yeah and that was like oh I'll, I'll use lockdown to make a new beard all the beards a lot <laughs> haven't done that so i'm going to be really behind as per usual but uh so i've got those but often they're sort of single use ones because you know it's uh it's not really um you can't really perform if you've got a bonfire in your head it doesn't really work so. <laughs> uh so in terms of the beards i have in sort of circulation used for performances i probably have about 10 to 20 there's some that are wow. act specific so i only use them for that act which is also the thing that um well i try not to do the same act twice the same venue because i had a, a couple of instances where i'll come out with a beard and someone go oh you're doing that act i was like oh crap oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh the, the, the surprise is gone so uh, now i try and um i'm thinking of adapting them so i can use multiple beards for the same act and sort of flip things around a bit but uh yeah i've got I've got a few that are my favourites that I just wear quite a lot. Cause I, I was going like to say, my... which, are, which are your kind of standout beards of like the regular, the old faithfuls? My old faithful that I often wear are my big woolly ones because they're just really the big and... and fluffy and um, 
bright and I think they're, they're you know I don't have the worry of um breathing in tinsel <laughs> and they they stick on I've got they've got a full-on they I had to design a beard harness that I wear underneath them which just means I can then run around and not worry about the falling off so even if they come unstuck from my yeah. chin they're still there because <sighs> the biggest fear is beard falling off and then I'm like oh crap naked on stage <laughs> yeah that would be yeah. worse than your clothes falling off or something like in the level of vulnerability <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we just accept that now, don't we? I mean that. Yeah, it's just, oh, my clothes are falling off. Bindings come undone, yeah. I My worst fall off is the tape, I think, because I, mm. I, I have quite a large chest, and so my tape just will randomly burst forth, like <laughs> that scene in Alien, and breasts all everywhere. <laughs> Do you tape I it? use, so I use wig caps. I'm the one that's always backstage, everyone's having a lovely chat, and then you hear, Argh! and it's me using a hairdryer, I'm like, sorry. I'm not very sociable sorry about that um so yeah I um basically when I very first started uh I was wanted to do a I think it was my second gig and I wanted to do Carl Drogo um <laughs> obviously oh, I mean and yeah. uh, which kind of where the barbarian said it's probably spawned from to be honest but um I was trying to find, figure out a way of doing a good uh way of binding that wasn't using mm. tape because it wasn't really working for me and I hadn't heard of k-tape at this point because I was an mm. idiot so I remember I had, I, I bought a load of different things like wax strips and there were all these other things like maybe this would be sticky and skin coloured. And then I discovered that using prosthetic glue and a ball cap that you cut down to shape, you can then glue everything back by then. Oh so it's God. not as flat as tape. Yeah. Um, but so if you're wearing it under a shirt, it doesn't really work. But I never do. I never wear a shirt. So it's not so much of an issue, really. <laughs> so it looks more like a big poob. So I can pretend I'm Vin Diesel. Oh, um, yeah. With my big manly chest. Yeah, big barrel kind of chested. Um, the only problem is because it's quite thin. I do occasionally have the problem of having two nipples at the, on the same peck because <laughs> if I'm cold or too excited, one will appear. And if I don't line it up properly, I've then got this weird like wart. It's not not a great look. I am really cool to the uh, kind of barbarian character. It's this kind of like Zeus-like otherworldly being with like multiple nipples and yeah limbs. Oh and, yeah, there's definitely yeah. some some mythological creatures like ah that is the nipple rack. <laughs> it's just a nipple with eyes that would some reason women had it and that's why they're I don't know that's why they're emotional and it would be yeah, like, exactly. some awful <laughs> sex thing from history. Yeah. The nipples float around, and get caught in their brain unless they're all along the front of their. Ah, you you young. Uh, have wandering nipple syndrome <laughs> to the asylum <laughs> yeah to the asylum with you it's just a wart no, 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 no. <laughs> you're a witch for your wandering nipples yeah. get in the water I yeah i really want a um i've got my mind fixed on this print for my wall of the penis tree have you guys seen this it's, like it's the so fun thing. No. yeah this theory that witches used to um cause impotence in men quote-unquote men by mm. stealing their penises in the night and then taking them to their penis tree and there's this really good medieval print of the penis tree with all of the witches flying around it and it's decorated with the stolen penises that they've taken and I, I want it for my wall I just think it's gorgeous I like that it's a good yeah, conversation starter as Great. well yeah totally I mean it unnerves people but you know oh, but medieval, um, medieval like prints are just fantastic do you have a background in like kind of history and um or like you know greek or roman or like there's something so like biblical and classical about medieval about a lot of the things you do well i did um when i was at college i did like classical civilization and that kind of thing and Mm. i think i've always just found it like myths and stuff really interesting um and you know was very much the sort of every time we go on holiday as a kid it was like we're gonna go to a castle so i think that's all where it's sort of Mm spawned so from. many yeah um, which also yeah I used to I remember tried to get a job at Warwick Castle as a rat catcher but it didn't, didn't work out but <laughs> I did feel like you know we've got drag kings and queens why can't we have the full castle group why can't they be drag peasants I want to oh be, like, be the drag <laughs> night soil man that's me yeah drag grave <laughs> uh, digger like. yeah <laughs> drag du- I'm a drag duke thank you very much drag duke yeah <laughs> I, mean, I like so started getting into things with like drag now like you have kind of princes and princes and princesses and everything but yeah why can't we have like a whole emperor, like drag emperor, drag oh, baron, drag, drag, yeah. drag viscount. Yeah, well, that's why I'm drag barbarian. I'm drag barbarian, yeah. Because it's also kind of more gender neutral as well, I suppose, of like, mm. yeah, because although Oedipus, he, you said he's a he and he has a big beard and everything, but there is something really kind of, it is in that classic myth kind of thing of like the gender doesn't really matter. It is this oh, kind yeah. of deity like figure that could have like, yeah, five nipples or 
you know both or everything yeah well, you see yeah barbarian is itself that's why i decided to stick with it because it is a non-binary turn anyone could be a barbarian yeah. it's more about just doing what you want and not feeling fixed so you know it's like i, I i'm probably one of the few kings that wears a skirt most of the mm. time and high heels as well a lot like you often um yeah. can we can we talk about i mean i suppose this is a larger question about your crafting and your making and everything because i i'm do you have like a background because like you, it's not just sewing what you do it is like creating things and carving them and Thank like you think that i sew it's like <laughs> going, i'm gonna hem this uh hot glue <laughs> but it's, it's it's like a different a completely different skill set to what you do in like making your costumes it's like do you have are you self-taught or do you have like crafty training or like how how do you do what you do so I yeah I am a prop maker by day. <laughs> so I work in a workshop and uh, that kind of thing. So I've I've kind of learned how to make these. My specialism is sculpting and mold making that kind of thing. Oh my God. So I'm trying to bring more of those uh, skills in because so I have a bad habit of not spending time on things. So a lot of the things I make are I've made them in an evening. Um, but I'm going to try and spend time on things and actually showing off what I can actually do. Um, so that means I kind of know how to make things and um so if you ever need any advice in making stuff give me a shout and I'll happily help um but so it was very much a case of you know at college like did I had torn like, do I want to do classics do I want to make stuff and I was like well I'd like to have a job so prop making <laughs> is uh, and then I could read about <clears throat> mythology and stuff in my free time as someone with a history degree you did the right thing I think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I feel really bad saying it like, oh, you know, I can sort of read. It means I'm kind of, I'm, I'm aware that I'm extremely bad that people go, oh, have you heard about this thing? I'm like, oh, I, I've, I've read the things that I've read and um, find have a mild interest in things. But I think people think I know a lot more than I do, which is um, a bit of a problem. But uh... <laughs> these, um, I'm obsessed with this newest. I think that's kind of typified in what you've just said of like spending more time because these shoes that you've just made are. Have you seen the? The shoes, Jodie. No, are they like, a recent? I mean, I usually pick up on all of your latest inventions. Like, I'm so creepy. I'm so sorry, Edie. So <laughs> they are, so these, their shoes are my, they're called my Atlas sandals. So yeah. um, I sculpted a little statue of Atlas, which is supporting the heel. So instead of having a heel, it's a little man holding up the heavens, which are my heels um, on the back of my foot. And it's basically, they're built around some, you know, you get those uh, heelless, shoes yeah, kind of rocking yeah. Horsey they're a bit around those so the actual statue doesn't support weight which is great so i don't have to worry <laughs> about that uh, so i'm not going to yeah. topple off the stage and I, sort of, I was quite again because I'm, I'm only about out of drag i'm about only about five foot three i'm quite small um mm. which is another thing when people see me out of drag they're always like who are you you what's going on <laughs> um i go from this big giant to, so I've, I've kind of stacked up I, I built a platform underneath the shoes and so i've had more space for the statue so i think now they're about nine inches oh that's incredible i'm gonna look like to as soon as we're done go to edie's, edie's insta and look at them because yeah. i was just gobsmacked like i don't think i've I, you know I, again you see people sew things you see but i saw those and i was like that is like true artistry like that is incredible of like what you're doing with your aesthetic and just making something like that i was just like mind blown yeah really yeah. bad for going upstairs though as i've discovered um <laughs> don't <laughs> not dancing shoes there are there are i'm hosting and i'm going to stand in one spot and just face and also the problem is because they're heels like the no. interesting bits at the back yes. here. anyway stand with your back to the audience like. the point i'm just gonna have to be like i'm just gonna stand facing the wrong way and be like just appreciate this side and uh i'm just imagining you i mean i, I don't know how your lockdown has been but I'm as someone that is so prolific and makes so many costumes and seemingly has continued to do that during lockdown are you just sitting in a graveyard of costumes that you can't currently use is it i i didn't get as much done over lockdown as i wanted to actually there's loads of sort of bits and bobs that i was planning to do so i made like a beard and i made um all those shoes um but it's quite difficult to get motivated you don't have any shows to make them for because normally that's it goes i've got this show up i want to have a new look for that one i'll make one but when you've kind of got the sort of the yawning expanse of time spreading over before you it's kind of like oh, what's the point and, and then there's costumes that i was like i should probably fix these like i've got um uh, a, a, an act where i have it has eight reveals in it and um none of the 
layers have been hemmed so it's getting more and more raggedy and I was like I should probably hem that at some point I haven't so um the all the plans to make lots of things didn't really work so I am making plant pots for people so I need to paint those oh my god that's adorable it was a plant pot of yeah. yourself with a little absolutely yeah um, are you se- are you selling these as well or are they just yeah so the plan out? is they are so the players you know you, I'm selling them and the the profit is going to split between uh, I think it was Black Minds Matter and I think the outside project I'll have to check with it but they're the two I think I was splitting it between um so it's a case if, if you want ever want it's very much in that pop figure style so big head little body but then it's a uh, sort of painted to look like people's drag aesthetic oh um, my god that's, that's such a lovely idea it looks like you've done quite, I mean, from looking at your Insta and everything, you have done quite a few like digital gigs and online gigs throughout um, lockdown. Uh, have, have you found it's kind of easy to transition what you do on stage into like more of a digital digital format or is it, does it feel different? Are you used to it? It just feels like every gig is one of those, um, well, I call them Waitrose audiences. You've ever had them, you know, when it's a, they're a very proper crowd. <laughs> oh God. Used to proper theatre and we don't interact with them. <laughs> the crowd yeah i don't know where people have have found the waitrose audience like why and why are they suddenly interested now i've never seen them in like the downstairs in some like grotty pub oh well, it's that thing it's you can you can kind of guess if you're gonna get a waitrose audience if there's like a window that's often a good sign if you're in a venue that's got a window <laughs> you're like oh this is uh this is a proper place um, natural daylight yeah. is not the friend of the drag yeah because we're all stuck inside with you know mounting anxiety and rage we wanted to have like a drag it corner where you can drag anything that you found annoying or frustrating or that you just dislike um so if there's anything you would like to drag we've created a little bit of time for it but i realize this is also quite a lot of pressure to come up with on the spot oh i think well for me i suppose for me it's the in terms of what's going on right now it's frustrating that you're still seeing shows that have been put up online that don't have subtitles Mm. that's annoying because uh, it's such a good way of making your drag accessible it's like we're, we're in a really unique time where you can make your drag so accessible to so many different people and a simple thing like adding subtitles and you can add so much another layer of humor when you put subtitles in if you do it properly yeah um like there were times when i, I did that I've, you might have seen it the song don't stop sending me nudes um to the tune of new york new york and <laughs> There's bits where I was just like, I put like TM on like beef whistle, like beef whistle TM. And it was just like, (laughs) or if you're doing a song, you can actually, people can understand what the lyrics are, which is great. Especially with me and my singing voice, you can't understand a bloody word I'm saying. It's just like, (laughs) and often it's because I forget my own words while doing it live. But um, such a good cover. Yeah. (laughs) The amount of times I've been like, like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely what the words uh um so yeah people do and then obviously you know still seeing all white lineups and that kind of thing and mm. lineups are all cis men it's kind of we're at a time where you can book anyone you want in the entire yeah. world and you're still like oh i've got frank from down the road and <laughs> i've got my friend my friend Jack. i've done stand-up before but we're yeah. gonna give him half an hour yeah <laughs> he's really funny in the pub yeah i do hope that when things sort of start up again people will then think about maybe just doing it half digitally half live yeah i'm gonna try and live it afterwards or putting it on or yeah just so again people who can't go out the house will can then actually still uh see shows and that kind of thing so um yeah and performers that go, that can't get out of the house as well i saw yeah. um a sort of blog the other day about the logistics of just being able to live stream people in from now on so like mm. having having people that like can't come to the venue for whatever reason just projected which i really like as an option mm. although it would also just be good to have accessible venues wouldn't it <laughs> yeah i mean that's the main thing it's like it'd be great <laughs> if it's just people could not have to go down a flight of steps to get in that'd be nice yeah, uh, yeah. or up a flight like uh yeah we are screwed with our venues with covid aren't we because it's like where like obviously because of you stand up i hear a lot of stuff more about the comedy industry and everyone there is like oh the main worry is that we can't fill the room to capacity whereas with i feel like with us it's like the main worry is that we're performing like downstairs in what's essentially like a converted toilet already with Mm. (laughs) no airflow already like Mm. if it was assessed before it probably wouldn't have been allowed anyway 
I'm really doing the glamour of the industry justice, aren't I? <laughs> oh, I think it's, it's people need to know these things. When I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to go into glam and I'm uh, into drag and get this glamorous jet set lifestyle touring around the world. <laughs> like, no, you're getting ready to the bloody toilet. Yeah, it's, yeah, if you get a toilet, like sometimes I've just like not even had a toilet, I think, to get changed in. <laughs> oh, what's, yeah, what's the worst place you've ever had to get ready? Oh my God. I think <sighs> I've got ready outside in an alley before, I think, like because mm. there was no room in the toilet because the toilet had to be used for customers or something. <laughs> like I think I've been like in a, <laughs> I've done makeup like, yeah, I've been out the back of like tents at like festivals and stuff with like no mirrors, no lights. Like you're using your one kind of handheld compact to try and or phone camera to try and see like a full face of makeup. Yeah, watching the sunset when yes. the lights going. Like, oh. like get the eyebrows done quickly. <laughs> so everyone's wonky and like everyone's gonna be dark. It's gonna be dark and everyone's drunk anyway. I could look at yeah. that. So no one needs to know. And then someone tries to take a picture with you. You're like, please no, don't, please no, don't do that. <laughs> I think my worst one was in the corner of a club like because we were performing downstairs there were there was no changing space there were toilets but they were grim as fuck um and so I got changed in a corner of the club whilst this random guy like held up a giant inflatable penis in front of me because it, it was in the everyone was playing with the giant inflatable penis anyway and I commandeered it to block my body oh well, that's, that's a literal quite nice. cock block that's yeah. quite nice. <laughs> Cock blocked uh, me from the room, which I welcomed. Very yeah. good. Welcomed with open arms. I had one where it was ruin a venue, and um, what was weird about this was a, it was like a, a trans fundraiser, and mm. um, so you know when it's a fundraiser, you're like eh, whatever goes really. But yeah. um, the only place to get ready was in the toilets, which is fine. But what we didn't expect was somebody to come in who wasn't aware it's a trans fundraiser. So then we kept asking questions like, "What are you doing? What is this? Why are you getting ready? Why are you dressing like that?" Mm. So it's it weird. It's one thing having to get ready in a toilet where. Um, obviously I normally use a hairdryer to dry the glue but instead mm. I'd use a hand dryer so I'm there kind of just sort of like a bit of Mr Bean <laughs> sort of dry his crotch but instead I'm just sort of sticking my, my chest underneath the hand, hand dryer while trying to do that while trying to explain gender theory to a random oh, audience <laughs> that was kind of peak but this is, this is more stressful and then also the it was middle of winter I think it was snowing outside so the venue itself was absolutely freezing um, venues, yeah. again so for the audience at home my costume is a wig yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sandals and snow yeah. are not a great combination, yeah. to be honest. So I was absolutely freezing and uh just so my, well, my head was very warm and we we're trying to huddling <laughs> we're huddling I think they had there was a printer in the um, back room which was the warmest spot in the entire venue. So we were in oh the back room God. by the printer just sort of <laughs> copy copy to it would just sending documents to it to try and yeah, get, just like get some warm copy paper on your body. Um so oh, that was man. quite a that was quite a challenge that one. Damn. <laughs> Can you please tell us how listeners can support you, where they can view you? Are there any projects doing that you'd like to plug? Um, Do you plug? have a Patreon or anything? Yeah, all those things. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at edipussy.rex uh, and on Facebook as well as edipussy.rex. I've pretty much nice the corner of the market and technically I'm on TikTok, but um, God mm. knows how that bloody works. So I just did it <laughs> to get the name. You can also follow Phantasmaglorious on mm. Instagram. I have not learned to make things that are spellable. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. And um, where can people get the pots just by following you? Again, go on Instagram. I often put information about there. Um, Great. And there's some pictures and you can just comment on there and DM me and then I can see what I can do. Amazing. Amazing. Pub, thank you so much for talking to us. It was such a joy. Yeah. Oh, no problem. I had a really good time. Oh. Lovely time. A, me a merry chat. A merry, <laughs> such a merry chat. A merry, merry old chat. Oh, there he is. <laughs> hey, it's me again, Loose. Sorry, I couldn't resist. If I go an hour without speaking, my tummy hurts. But I'm just popping in briefly to let you know it's time to meet our friend Mr. Golden Balls and a little bit more of some queer histories. I met Jésus la Vidange, Jesus for the non-francophones amongst us, co-founder and beloved host of The King's Factory, the monthly drag king cabaret which was, until the catastrophic events of this year, the epicentre of the Parisian drag king scene in the winter of 2015. Like his namesake, the Holy Father himself, 
Jésus is a master of metamorphosis. Whether he's sculpting the cheekbones and chiselling the chin dimples of an aspiring baby king, or transubstantiating baguette into saucisson, as his full-bellied chef alter ego, Jacques la baguette. His greatest transformative feat of all, I would suggest, is that of miraculous filiation. As founder of the King's Factory, Jésus has spawned a horde of baby kings. Their scène ouverte, a kind of open mic night, showcases the work of a dozen or so artists of all levels of experience at each edition. But the crowning achievement of Jésus' paternal labours are his sons. But this pater familias is not your average patriarch. To the contrary, he confronts the gendered norms and hierarchies imminent to the nuclear family paradigm with a reverent mockery. Snorting at the precepts of paternal control and discipline, he boosts his ever-expanding brood to achieve mastery of their drag king selves with cajoling care and, when deemed appropriate, a sniff or two of poppers. In his role of queer papa cool, Jésus is reminiscent of the familiar figure of the drag mother, and his brood, the famille Lavidange, bears a more than passing resemblance to the drag institution of the house. Houses originated in ballroom culture and are defined by Dr. Marlon Bailey, professor of gender studies at Arizona University and former member of Detroit's legendary House of Prestige, as familial structures that are socially rather than biologically configured. These institutions are integral to the reproduction of ballroom communities of performance practice, and through them, alternative kinship networks are constituted under the leadership of house mothers and, less typically, house fathers. If houses originally provided a vital set of conceptual and material resources for balls held amongst the Black and Latinx communities in North America, marginalised in the white ball scene of the mid-20th century, many of the cultural practices of ballroom have been incorporated since the early 90s into the increasingly institutionalised white drag communities and, in turn, into mainstream pop culture. Drag kings have not historically been integrated into ballroom, the drag king category represents a very recent addition to the classic repertoire, and their relationship to dominant drag queen traditions is highly ambivalent, at times deeply fraught. In this regard, Jésus is, yet again, rather a trailblazer. In his pioneering work on the Parisian scene, one of his most significant projects has been to initiate bridge-building between Paris's drag queen milieu and the emergent drag king scene, joining the drag queen house Maison Chérie in 2017, and collaborating with some of the first artists active on Paris's burgeoning ballroom scene. He is the first drag king, to my knowledge, to walk in the Parisian balls, run by the pioneering Parisian mothers, Asindra Ninja and Miss Misra. Idioms of kinship intimately bound up with those of house, home and household are characteristic but not exclusive features of drag communities. Cross-culturally and trans-historically, these idioms have been mobilised as powerful symbolic tools for expressing and constructing relatedness, and as material resources which draw on the model of the household as an economic, architectural and political unit. In Western European and North American contexts, chosen family has long been the lens through which queers experience otherness and negotiate their queer identities with respect to the straight world, built upon the founding institution of heterosexual reproduction. In Catherine Weston's ethnographic study of lesbian and gays in the San Francisco Bay Area in the 80s, chosen family is analysed as a complex process of culture building. It does not simply replace biological kin, but represents the subtle expansion of a symbolic system, whereby the meanings associated with traditional American kinship, durability, resilience and permanence, are transferred from blood ties to forge alternative but equally valuable bonds. The work of these queer scholars sheds light on Jésus' exceptional story. As much as he is a beloved drag father to many, he is also the product of his own chosen family. If Jésus was conceived alone in his bedroom at the home of his biological mother, he was born as a public persona who would go on to take Paris by storm amongst his chosen family. Together, they bought him his first packer, and in the early days, they never missed a show whooping him on from the wings. Jésus does not forget these dear people, ses frères, his brothers, who made him the king of kings. For all his struggles with persistent economic insecurity, with heartbreak and, today, with the crushing alienation of the new normal which has ravaged queer economies and spaces of sociality with particular ferocity, Jésus has remained a source of hope.
hope in the possibility of alternatives to the violent intimacies and polarised binaries underpinning heteronormative models of kinship, and a constant reminder of the richness, the potential for reformulation from within these models which prove, for some, truly liberating. Wow, this whole episode has been real education, and I think I, and vicariously you, deserve a treat. And what is more of a treat than another sexy reading from Izzy Amman? It's time for Sexy Stories. Well, hello there. I'm Izzy Amman, and this is your favourite Sexy story time. Thanks, Izzy. I'm Isabel, and this episode I want to introduce you to Abu Nuwaz al Hassan ben Hani al Hakami, also known as Abu Nuwaz, a much lauded 8th century Arabic poet. Scholar Hakim Bey describes him as the very model of a worldly debauched court poet, jester, trickster, rake, wit, and drunk, boon companion to his friends, scathing lampoonist of his enemies, and above all, ravenous boy lover. He became such a mythical figure that he even appears in the great literary work A Thousand and One Nights, getting up to much the same mischief as he did IRL. But he was a diligent artist too. He is said to have spent a year with the Bedouins in the desert to acquire their traditional purity of language. Apparently, a fair amount of Sufi poetry is made up of love songs to young men, but what Abu Nawaz did differently was to cast aside the veil of euphemism and relish the explicit nature of his yearnings. In the bathhouse... In the bathhouse, the mysteries hidden by trousers are revealed to you. All becomes radiantly manifest. Feast your eyes without restraint. You see handsome buttocks, shapely trim torsos. You hear the guys whispering pious formulas to one another. God is great. Praise be to God. Ah, what a palace of pleasure is the bathhouse even when the towel-bearers come in and spoil the fun a bit. I die of love for him. I die of love for him, perfect in every way, lost in the strains of wafting music. My eyes are fixed upon his delightful body, and I do not wonder at his beauty. His waist is a sapling, his face a moon, and loveliness rolls off his rosy cheek. I die of love for you, but keep this secret. The tie that binds us is an unbreakable rope. How much time did your creation take, O oh angel? So what? All I want is to sing your praises. When he, when he, brought up in luxury, appeared, his face was naked, bare of blemish, while he was clad in clothes of seduction. He was unique in beauty and said, This is my share of this world and its pleasures. And God, when he created him, created him as a moon and a sand dune at the base of a twig. Now the moon sways on top of a twig and the twig on top of a sand hill. What a rose on the cheek of this gazelle! What a bending, what straightness in his stature! What pearls does he reveal when he smiles? What magic, what coquetry lies in his glances? These make the tears flow from my eyelids. Those make the nights pass all too slowly for me. And you get a bonus this week. Hey, I said bonus. Miller Oberman is the author of poetry collection The Unstill Ones. He teaches writing at Eugene Lang College and lives in Queens, New York. He is an old English writer and translator. On trans, the process of through is ongoing. The earth doesn't seem to move, but sometimes we fall down against it and seem to briefly alight on its turning. We were just going. I was just leaving, which is to say, coming, elsewhere, transient. I was going as I came, the words move through my limbs, lungs, mouth as I appear to sit peacefully at your hearth, transubstantiating some wine. It was a rough red, 
It was one of those nights we were not forced by circumstances to drink wine out of mugs. Circumstances being, in those cases, no one had been transfixed at the kitchen sink long enough to wash dishes. I brought armfuls of wood from the splitting stump. Many of them, because it was cold, went right on top of their recent ancestors. It was an ice night. They transpired visibly, resin to spark, bark to smoke, wood to ash. I was transgendering and drinking the rough red at roughly the same rate, and everyone who looked saw. The translucence of flames beat against the air, against our skins. This can be done with or without clothes on. This can be done with or without wine or whiskey, but never without water. Evaporation is also ongoing, most visibly in this case in the form of wisps of steam rising from the just-washed hair of a form at the fire whose beauty was in the earth's turning, that night and many nights, transcendent. I felt heat changing me. The word for this is trans-desire, but in extreme cases, we call it trans-dire. Or when this heat becomes your maker, we say trans-sire. Or when it happens in front of a hearth, trans-fire. You have been listening to the Drag King cast from Pex Drag Kings. If you enjoyed it, then please do donate to Pex's Patreon. Um, If you can't afford that, then definitely subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes because it really does help us out. You can follow us on Instagram at Pex Drag Kings, on Twitter at Pex Drag, and on Facebook at Pex.TheDragKings. The Drag King cast is presented by Jodie Mitchell, a.k.a. Drone Revolver, and Katie Bormer, a.k.a. Loose Willis. And today you heard from Helena Felstrom, a.k.a. Mr. Golden Balls, and Isabel Adamarco Young, a.k.a. Izzy a Man. Drag King Cast is produced by Katie Bulmer, Jodie Mitchell, and Pex's executive producers Ellen Spence and Daisy Hale, and has music from Anya Pearson of Dream Nails, artwork by Emma Hayden, and photography by Ra Petherbridge. Drag King Cast is recorded live from our houses, because the whole... COVID malarkey. Yeah, not fun. Anyway, long live the king. Mm